Join our podcast conversations as we share ideas, insights, and information that will educate, inform, and inspire. We will blend our knowledge of online safety and emotional awareness to help you better understand your kids' online world and their emotional responses and well-being. Sarah, how are you doing? Great. How are you doing? Uh, it's summer. Can't be any better. I know. I and, and, you know, I'm not one to just talk about the weather, but the weather has been really great. I know where I don't know where our listeners are all listening from, but in Ontario near London has been really great. I'm not complaining because remember what's going to happen in six months when we're talking to each other. So, yeah, we're going to be in Florida. We are? Hopefully. No. That, <laughs> well, can we do the podcast from Florida? That, I think we can. We, yeah. You know, we can do podcasts from anywhere. That's the best part of yeah, our podcast. Exactly. We could be um, literally on a beach and the waves behind us doing a podcast. And yeah. Having said that, what are we talking about today? We're talking about should we monitor our kids online on social media? There's going to be a simple answer, and then we're going to podcast the longer version. But the simple answer <laughs> is. Yes, of course you should. It's mm -hmm. not even an option if you ask me. Of course, the question can be taken in so many different directives, but if we want to start off from the time they join a social media platform, the answer is absolutely yes. And of course, that time, parents, is 13 years of age and older. And Sarah, you were reading an article which mm -hmm. kind of went in many, many different ways. Do you want to kind of summarize it, it which could lead us into this conversation? Okay, so it went in many directions. So I'll just, but I'll just start with the 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 fundamental point at the beginning was it was a parent writing an article about monitoring her daughter on social media platforms and having apps to do so. And I mean, we have apps now that can definitely do that, monitoring their texts, their conversations, monitoring even how fast they're driving in their car. There's so many different ways to have eyes and at first she was saying she felt great about it and she actually felt confident in the fact that she was doing this because she got to interject in a conversation that wasn't going uh, a respectful way for her daughter however the article then went on to talk about overstepping so I think if we break it down, and I, this is what I want to hear from you, and I think a lot of people are going to want to hear from you. When is the time to monitor, you know, sit down with your kids, talk to them about social media, tell them what apps you are going to have, what you are going to be able to see. And then at some point, does that lessen uh, at a certain age or does it stay remain the same? Because the article was basically talking about how when teens get to a certain age, they want that independence, and it can almost be seen as nosy spying and crossing a line. So I want this podcast to really talk about, and I, and I love learning this too, like my son, my son's 10, he's not on social media. But this is really good to be proactive with and say, okay, so when does that conversation start? What does it look like? When do I monitor? When don't I? And then I also want to talk in this podcast about trust factor. <laughs> this is going to be a big one, Paul. I'm just throwing it right at you. Word trust. Let me go back mm -hmm. to what you said, because there's three different points you made, which is monitoring social media. Mm -hmm. And then you brought up how this parent is using software 
to see everything they do. And then mm -hmm. the third point was their software <clears throat> that can tell you how fast your child is going. So you need to break this down. We're going to focus on the first aspect, which is monitoring social media and the relationship you build with your child. I'm not going to touch on point number two, which is getting all the software out there that can spy on your child, which I believe at a young age, they should have software, which restricts where they go online, block inappropriate mm -hmm. content. And that software is very, very important. But then there's that third aspect, which is with their software out there, like you said, which can tell you how fast your, your child is driving. And, you know, as a father of two older teenage girls, I have that. And I won't mention what the software product is, but that is a in case of an emergency product, not a I'm spying on you product. So we're going to talk mm -hmm. about the very first component because it's going to lead into your questioning <clears throat> for later on. When your child is 13 years of age and older and they're given their first social media platform, the boundaries must be set, which is here's a platform I'm permitting you to use. We're going to implement incredibly strong passwords. You're going to only permit real human friends into your life online. And I will be monitoring the communication at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I will see how you're being influenced by your followers, your friends, and how <clears throat> the platform is influencing you. Because mm -hmm. uh, remember, social media algorithms are very powerful. There was an article written about TikTok not too long ago, how the algorithm knows you better than you know yourself. Well, that can take your child down a rabbit hole. So let's go back to mm. probably the first platform the kids w might want, <clears throat> which could be, let's say, either Instagram or Snapchat. Well, we want to figure out how the algorithm is impacting our kids. And see, and kids don't see this. We no. do. So when they're flooded with certain types of content, we know that their mindset is consciously, subconsciously processing that. And if they keep liking and following and focusing on the picture or the video and an Instagram, it's a reel. More content that is similar will be shown to them, which again means more influence of that type of content. So the kids who are going to be upset with you saying, you don't trust me. Um, I know what I'm doing. No, you don't because we know how these platforms work. So the reason we're going to monitor them <clears throat> at the very beginning and for the parents listening, we're going to monitor them without guilt. Don't feel guilty when your child says, oh, you don't trust me. You don't think I'm responsible enough. Yeah, we do, actually, except we have lived much longer than you. We have life experience, which you don't. We know these platforms. You know them technically better than we do, but we understand through the news how they work and how they influence. So and just to interject one piece there, and this is, this is something that has stuck with me, is that kids will see the tree and will see the forest. So that's what that's the analogy that I'm, I'm hearing, right? That they'll see the tree. Yeah, no, no, no. I get it. TikTok. We see the force. We see the implications. And also when your kids say, you know, you don't trust me. Here's the thing. We don't trust the emotion that's going to be triggered, which we know is easy just to respond out of emotional based liking, being flooded and then making choices out of what that feels like for you in that moment. Kids don't know that. We know that we're the, the mature brain adults, their brains and fully mature until 25 years old, they actually don't know the impact of their emotions on their choices. So really, yeah, we trust you. We, we just don't trust the fact that your emotions are going to be where you're going to want to make choices from. Hence, where you can get into a lot of trouble, especially online with consequences or, or behaviors or typing or comments. 
Right. And that's why we have the responsibility. And you know what? That's an amazing analogy. I think I'm going to have to use it. They're seeing the tree. We're seeing the forest. And so Mm -hmm. we go deeper than what they can process right now. Now, I think what's important is for our listeners to hear afterwards, because you're going to get from your child, you don't trust me. You don't love Mm -hmm. me. You don't think responsible. Well, Sarah's going to tell you how to deal with that. But don't feel guilty when they throw those at you. Don't feel guilty when they say, I'm the only one who doesn't have. I'm the only one whose mom watches what I do online. These are lies, number one. They're made for you to feel guilty and say, okay, I'm giving you everything and I'm sorry. Don't don't fall down that path. But our responsibility is to keep them safe. And parents, you have to stop using, but I trust my child. We have to stop using that Mm because this pandemic has connected with me with parents throughout North America where those parents who've applied the, I trusted my child, I thought they were okay, they're in my house. The stories that I've heard and that I've had to assist parents with, some are gut-wrenching. Avoidable if those parents wouldn't have given them too much too soon. For example, at 10 years of age when they're not allowed to have it. Or when they gave it to them at Uh. the right age, which is, okay, it's not just here to keep... Let me give you an analogy. Sarah, will you ever give the keys to the car, to your son, the age that he's allowed to drive and the age that he's licensed, say, go, take a trip to, from London to Toronto and come back and talk. No, you will be there for the first two, three, five, 12 months and you will be guiding him. Oh, I thought you were going to say years. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. But realistically, let's say months. Yeah, yeah. Because although your son will be allowed to drive and he passed the course, this is not ready to handle. My daughters are both driving. And every day that I let them drive with me, which is because I love driving, but I, you know why I let them drive me sometimes? I want to observe how they observe the road, respond mm-hmm. to certain situations. Because you know what? Even though they're licensed and one has been driving for a couple of years, they're still learning. And it is my responsibility as a father who has years, decades of driving experience to make sure that I observe how they've driven and help them make better choices because they're still learning. That is the best analogy I give to parents each and And every day. And I'm going to add a little bit to that analogy that just popped into my mind. So most cars today have a lot of cameras, Mm -hmm. right? Like I have a backup camera. I got side centers. I got every, you know, everything's beeping. It's wonderful, right? However, I still do shoulder checks. Many young people may not do that because they're they're trusting the cameras or trusting the technology. Right. However, we've got to also say, yeah, that's available to you. But what if something happens with the technology or the, the technology actually didn't give you the full view? You still have to do sh- shoulder checks. And if you are not watching your child, you might not know that they're just trusting all the cameras. They're trusting the technology around, which actually correlates to, well, I'm trusting the social media platform. I'm just trusting... Uh, and this is where we as adults say, okay, well, let's also add this. Okay, yeah, you have a camera, but let's also add the so- shoulder check in social media. Yes, you have the platform, but I'm also going to add knowledge when it comes to how to use it. And if we're not, if we totally aren't monitoring it and we're totally um, just allowing them to do whatever they want, how do we know how to? guide them and hold them accountable because that's that's a huge part of parenting we can't stop parenting when they're a certain age 
And I find mm-hmm. that to be a big issue. So you're correct. And you brought up a great point. Do not, parents, ever trust the social media platforms. They're oh, not yeah. set up in the best interest of your child's safety. They are not. <clears throat> it is your responsibility when you allow them to have a social media platform to be there and to guide them. Understand how the social media platform works in terms of the algorithm on how it's feeding your child certain information. So, Paul, I want to say this really quickly. Because you said about 13. Well, 13 is in terms of service. Right. My son, so as he just turned 10, but not as a nine-year-old, sees his friends. Some of them have a social media platform for, it could be for their sports. Right. And so then he looks and he's like looking at my, my social media and sees them. And he's like, I want one. They have one. You are in, and the, very, this is, you're in the toughest part of parenting right now. I've been there, done that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the best analogy I will give you is this. For example, when my daughter was about 11 years of age, she said, I need Facebook. I said, why do you need it? Everyone has it. I said, well, sorry to tell you, not everyone has it. And at that time, I was part of parent council at my school. I was, I was really involved. And I knew that most kids didn't have it. But she was made to feel that she was the only one without it. And then I'll never forget, on her 13th birthday, at the end of the day, after all celebration done, I looked at her and said, hey, let's open up that Facebook account. And she said, Facebook's for old people. Two years earlier, she was the only one needed it. It was the most important thing in her life. That day, it was for old people. So I made sure she never had it. And I prevented her from whatever she could have been subjected to. And I didn't hold her back from having a social life. Her real friends connected with her in other capacities. Can it be used to connect, for example, your son's team? Yes. But there are age-appropriate platforms for that. Do we need a social media platform to do it? No, but parents will use it as an excuse to allow their child to break the rules, to get online, to communicate. And what parents are not aware of is that upon breaking that rule and giving in because everyone else on the team has it, it's now your child, while on their device by themselves and you're making dinner, cutting the grass, shoving the snow, taking the dog for a walk, is now being subjected to that stuff that they should have waited until they were 13 or 14 to be subjected to with our guidance. Mm-hmm. We, you're going to be, you're in a tough situation, Sarah, uh, and I've been there, but now it's even tougher. The we just say no. Well, and no, you know what's interesting about that? In my presentation uh, this past week, when I spoke to uh, parents in grade with kids in grade three, four, five, six, I told the kids, I said, I want to introduce you to a very, very important word. You may have heard it. You may not have heard it. It's the word no. And then the big N-O appears behind me on the screen. And everyone starts laughing. I said, but today is a positive. No is not a negative. Today is a positive. And you'll understand why after this presentation. So parents, no is a positive. But that requires your child to understand the reasoning. Exactly. It's about being a leader, not a follower. Mm -hmm. And this is where parents come in. And parents, you're going to have to deal with their emotions. They'll be upset Mm. with you. They'll be angry with you. They'll tell you you don't love them. But Sarah will guide you on how to deal with this because it is so important that that conversation take place. Now, will they get over that? Sure, it'll take a couple of weeks. But hold firm. Otherwise, 
we go down this path of, again, another story, another I need help. And I will always be there to help. Everyone knows that for the whole 11 years I've been speaking, almost 12. My objective is to make sure people don't require help because they're not in a position to need it. I've always been there to help. I always will be there to help. But following guidance can prevent the need from your child being hurt at a young age and then subsequently requiring that help. But when they are on these platforms, we must guide them at the very beginning without guilt. And Mm -hmm. when they throw it at you, you know, Sarah, how do you, okay, so let's go back to Sarah now. Mm -hmm. You know, the answer is 13. We will wait. You will be guilted. So Sarah, let's give to the parents what I'm sure, I'm sure everyone is wanting the answer to. My child is making me feel guilty. My child is making me feel horrible that they're the only one without it. How do I deal with those emotions to get over that hump and have them understand it? Because every parent has gone through this, Sarah, and I think this is something that they will really appreciate. And, and, um, and me too. I've gone through that too, where <clears throat> there's that moment and I have to really look at it and say, okay, I'm allowed to feel that guilt or that upset because I get it. I, if I was 13 and in that situation, I can put myself back into, or if I'm 10, I'm sure a lot of a lot of us can think about when we were that age and oh, I, I'd love to do it. And oh my goodness, my kid is pretty, tr- I mean, they are pretty trustworthy. They got a good head on their shoulders. And again, though, we have to go back to kids need structure and they need boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that actually helps them flourish. So if we if we take that away and we just do we just say yes to everything, not only are we setting them up for, like you said, seeing something or experiencing something that we could have prevented. And this isn't about bubble wrapping your child. This is about knowing that there's certain ages and stages that you're able to do more as you as you grow up. That I think we have to honor the fact that okay, I'm allowed to say no. And yes, I can have some emotions around it. Um, Yeah, and those emotions, you know, maybe I feel sad because I just want to say yes. Or maybe I feel frustrated because I know they're going to give pushback, but I'm allowed to feel those emotions. And my child is allowed to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. They're allowed to. And I, my job is not to fix and change my son's emotions. As a parent, I think we just have to separate the fact that our kids are allowed to have emotional reactions and we can honor them and say, you know, I'll say to Kai the other day, he was disappointed about something. And I knew I could just say yes and make all that disappointment go away. However, I'm not going to be arming him up for being an adult that can move through disappointment in a healthy way instead of someone always trying to fix and change it. So the work we're doing today with our kids, building their resilience and their ability to move through tough emotions isn't just for today, for their resilience and confidence. It's ultimately we're parenting for the future so they can become an adult that hears no and is disappointed and is frustrated and is sad. However, they know how to move with and through those emotions. And our kids are not going to thank us for the boundaries and structure. You know, we're in thankless work until they're like, I don't know what, 28 and they're on the wedding speech. And they're like, I just want to thank you, mom and dad, for (laughs) guiding me in all the structure and not allowing me on the social media platform. No. So, (laughs) So I think we also have to know that 
it is okay for your child to be upset and be mad at you and say, I don't like you. It's not they don't like you. Look at they love you. They don't like the boundary you have placed. They don't like that you've said no. They don't like the structure. However, if we stay firm and they need this to become the adult that I want them to be, not just here and now, you know, we're even parents, we can't be into instant gratification for ourselves or our child. Right. And so I said to Kai when the other day when he was really disappointed that that he wasn't, I can't even think of what it was, but I said, you're allowed to be disappointed. So just be disappointed. And I understand that. However, the answer is still no, because of this reason. And that's going to still be the answer. But you can feel disappointed. I I sometimes feel disappointed when someone says no, and I want them to say yes. So I think honoring the fact that you're feeling an emotion and they're feeling emotion, but you don't have to fix their emotion, make that go away to support them and how to move with it and through it. But keep that boundary uh, because that boundary you've done out of respect and love. Sarah, I'm going to be quoting your name in some of my sessions when I say, because I wrote this down. That's why you saw me. Okay. You're allowed to feel disappointed. I've never heard that. And that I think is so important because part of my messaging will probably have a parent say, boy, my kid's going to be angry and upset, disappointed. Well, I'll have a little flash sign saying, oh, by the way, Sarah Westbrook said you're allowed to feel disappointed. And that is, I think, the most important thing that parents need to hear because I've never heard that before. And you're absolutely and, correct. And you, and you know what, Paul? Also, kids need to hear it. Right. So you're right. Parents need to hear it and kids need to hear it. You know why? And this is what the work I've been doing for over 17 years with kids and emotions. And is that when you validate an emotion, you actually have that child feel seen and heard. It doesn't mean you're switching the boundary. Validating an emotion does not mean you're switching and changing the boundary. Right. So the answer can still be no, but you can still be disappointed. And that's okay. And you can have a good cry into your pillow. You can uh, vent to me or a friend. You can you can stop your feet. <laughs> like, and and you know what? And this is what I've noticed over time. Kai gets through it faster. But if I tell him, "Don't you be disappointed," the or if I take away the disappointment and say, "Okay, fine," you can. He never learns how to move through. Right. And move, and then and and then he actually finds something else to do. But we have to be okay with, yeah, your child's going to feel that way. And it's probably going to trigger an emotion in you too. Maybe you're going to feel annoyed and think, oh my gosh, I should just say yes, because I don't like them feeling disappointed and I feel annoyed by it or I feel sad by it. So we also, as parents have to say, it's okay for me to feel that way and still carry on the boundary. You know, parenting is sometimes tough because of following through with a healthy boundary and the emotions it triggers, but it's part of the journey. I know we have to wrap up, but that, okay, the reason this was so important, parents, is because if you don't apply the number one, monitor them and respect the rule until the right age, and number two, the guidance from Sarah, which is they're allowed to feel disappointed, let me tell you what the flip side of it is. They get online, they're communicating with someone they don't know. They're subjected to content that is inappropriate. 
they're making poor choices emotionally based on what they're subjected to through the person that they're communicating with and or the content. And then they seek out, oh my goodness, I need help. And those emotions are going to be much, much harder to deal with because normally they involve a phone call to, let's say it's school related to a school principal. If it's outside the school, law enforcement. Sometimes lawyers have to get involved and it devastates some families. And I don't want any child to ever have to go through that because that also not only impacts a child, that's my ultimate goal, protecting kids, but then their parents. And then parents, when this impacts you, and I know this firsthand, it now impacts that parent at their work and the rest of their family life. So saying no is a positive, but saying yes could trigger so many other consequences. And the I don't even know where this would go down. And perhaps this is a different podcast, Sarah, but the emotions that parents have to deal with now is, I'm going to guess, disappointment, regret, thinking I should have listened. All these emotions and those, Sarah, you're the expert in this. Those I'm going to suggest are harder to deal with than the conversation we just had when you Mm -hmm. said no, they're disappointed, you talked to them, they got over it. Those other emotions and dealing with them will be way more difficult. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And here's the thing, things are going to happen with our with our kids and we can't save them from it. But what we can do is we can limit the exposure, like you said, at certain ages. So also what I'm hearing you say is in the beginning, like so in the beginning, monitor, sit down with your child, have a conversation, talk about boundaries, say this is what I will be watching. This is what I'm going to check in. I, I have passwords to this. You know, this will be the conversation my husband and I have with Kai when he's 13 and if he wants to go on you know, Instagram, but by then he'll probably be like, it's for old people. Old people. <laughs> right, well, I'm on there. What? No, yeah. no, no. Uh, and so, but then what I also heard you saying is as they get older, you know, like when your, your, your kids are teenagers now, like 17, 18, 19, you know, at what, so I'm just wondering for, before we wrap this up, at what age do you say, you know what, I'm going to loosen the reins. I'm going to know that I've, I've, I've given you a lot of information and I've also put in boundaries and structure and I've also kept communication open. So if something does happen, you can come to me because I know you say this often, keep the conversation, keep the connection alive so they feel safe if something does go astray. At what age do you kind of allow the reins to be loosened? So this is not a, 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 an opinion. This is an opinion. Sorry, it's not based on my, you know, 32 plus years in cyber and IT. This is me as a dad based on what I've seen and what I applied in my home. The first thing I want to address with what you just asked, restriction at a young age is important. Monitoring when they get their first social media is important. But as you're transitioning, as your child transitions from about grade 7, 8, 9, 10, you need to start developing healthy, transparent relationships with your teenager. They need to know that even though you're guiding them, and when you do let go of the reins, if something goes wrong, if they need guidance, that they should never feel embarrassed, Mm -hmm. ashamed, anything to come to you. You will not judge them, shame them, or embarrass them because they opened up to you. You may not like what they've said. You may not have the answer, 
but you're going to support them because you love them and you're going to find the answer because you love them. So with the restriction, we transition into relationships. And mm. when do we completely let go? Well, my daughter's had 16 as their barrier. Now, do we have really, I'm one of the proudest dads in the world where I have daughters that can come to me for literally, I've had my daughter's friends come to me and talk to me about stuff that they couldn't talk to their own parents about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the proudest things I can say I love that. about me. Mm-hmm. And why? Because I developed that healthy, transparent relationship with my daughters at a young age saying, regardless of what happens with what the restrictions I had in place with the guidance I've given you now, you're still a kid. You can come to me for anything. And that is the most important thing that I have to leave this conversation with is 16 was my age saying, look, I may spot check, but really you're 16. You're going to make wise choice. I got to do, I've given you all the right um, guidance in terms of online safety, security, values, morals, ethics, everything. You have to start making good choices. But that was my, that's what I recommend. Right. And that, and that was that you could tell the, the, the vibe of your child and the maturity. Exactly. Sorry. You just said it. You will all know your child differently. Cause you know, your child best and you want to create that, that, right. That timing. And, and what I love too, is you said, you know what, I I could still peek in, but I'm not because I'm trusting that this is where you're at. And so this is where that, that trust piece does, does come in. But then you're saying, but if this something does go wrong, I've also opened up the relationship and communication that you can come to me and 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 talk about it. And and you would notice you, you would probably notice in your child if you saw some behavior switching, then you would peek at the social media. But I think that the boundary is you're not obsessed with like no, no, like no, no. what they're doing all the time. I think that's where, you know, and maybe that's another podcast is that difference between I'm, I'm, I'm monitoring, I'm checking in, I'm, and, and I'm up, or I'm obsessed with everything that you're doing. And now it's too much. And now what, you know what you're going to do? You're going to push your child away from you. You are going to damage that relationship. You're going to you, damage it. Yeah. They're going to, and they're going to find ways to be sneakier. Yep. And that's why the real transparent relationship is so important because if you overstep your boundaries and mm. you are um, always snooping, spying which i do not subscribe to ever you Mm -hmm. will push your child away secrecy will come into place you will not know what's happening and they won't come to you they will go to their peers who respectfully can't guide them because they don't have life experience like we do don't do that develop Mm -hmm. the relationship you let go of the reins but they'll know that they can come to you for absolutely anything and that you will be there to love them and support them and to guide them Otherwise, it goes down a path we don't want to talk about. So we'll end it off on a positive note, which is mm-hmm. the answer connection. Is the connection. It is so critical. It's it has nothing to do with technology. That's the best part. But it has everything to do with protecting your child on that technology. Should something go wrong, we have to let our kids know that we will be there for them, and that they come they can come to us because you don't want to be snooping at 16, 17, 18. They need a life. You didn't want your parents snooping in on you at 16, 17, 18. Mm-hmm. You wanted a life. And that is completely understandable. But they should know that if something goes wrong online, they can come to you and say, how do I interpret this text? Someone sent me this picture. What? And that mm-hmm. tells you you've put in place the boundaries, which they're respecting, and the relationship, which they're appreciating. Not 
appreciating when they're, you know, like you said, I think you said 28, getting married and their, their speech. Yeah, no, we don't want to wait that long. Let them appreciate <laughs> it now. Yeah, <laughs> we're planting seeds and we're holding accountability, but we're also creating connection and the relationship is key, key, key. Exactly. And then also honoring the emotions that, that happen along the way within yourself and your kids. I say space to feel is space to, to heal. And sometimes we don't allow just that, that space of I'm going to bring in that you liked when I said, you know, it's okay to be disappointed. It's okay. There's space there. You're allowed to, but now we're still holding the structure. We're still holding the boundary, but no, Paul, you have been so insightful even for myself. So I just want to thank you just on my own, my own account. I want to thank Uh, you because I I think you empowered me with an amazing phrase. You're allowed to feel disappointed. And I think, that's going to help parents tremendously because I think they're not aware of that. And so you help me. So thank you. Permission to feel. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much, Paul. And I'm looking forward to our next podcast coming up. And uh, until then, just keep being awesome. And Sarah, you keep being awesome as well. And this is what we know. This is a, that's <laughs> all we know. These awesome things. This is all we know. Just keep being awesome. <laughs> Bye. Until next time. Bye.